0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, 12 CDs for the price of one sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? And yet, if you lived in the 90s and the early 2000s, you probably got a number of ads or promotions from BMG Music Service promising that very thing. Just pick out your your favorite 10 or, or 12 CDs and then you're on the hook for one CD a month that they'll automatically mail to you indefinitely. And and if you still have any kind of a CD collection today, my guess is that that a a bulk, a good number of those CDs perhaps even came through through BMG, which of course no longer exists, which about a a decade ago or so uh, made it official that they'd no longer be offering that service. I don't know how many trips I made across the street to the blood mobile there in the soup plantation parking lot, but every time I donated blood, I'd receive a a gift card for the soup plantation. uh, To be able to take the whole family, I, I hoarded up, I racked up a whole number of those and probably have somewhere around $90 or $100 in gift cards to soup plantation now, which are worthless as soup plantation has gone under and no longer exists. You probably have a drawer uh, or a stash somewhere in your house that has tokens or tickets from from some fun place to eat or or amusement uh, spots uh, hoarding up those tickets, planning to use them someday to to add up to enough to purchase an item that you want only to find out that uh, they're expired or or that that place no longer exists. We know the axiom and how true it is that that all good things must come to an end, right? Nothing lasts forever. And yet it's, it's kind of, I, I suppose we as human beings, we're, we're kind of peculiar in this regard. We know that to be true and yet we don't live necessarily according to it, do we? You think about how we operate in a day-to-day basis. We spend money as if it's always going to just be coming in. We eat whatever we want today as if I'll, I'll exercise tomorrow. We work our, our tails off uh, to be able to enjoy retirement later. We hoard this and hang on to this because someday, later on, we'll, we'll use it. Uh, sometime, we'll, we'll go on that vacation. We realize that, that all good things come to an end, that nothing lasts forever, and yet we, we live as, as if that's not the case, as if there's always tomorrow, always another day. Well, that's not true for for anything else in life, there is one thing that is going to last forever, and as we continue our series focusing on what the church is, we're reminded in the Word of God today that the church is forever. The church is, is going to last, unlike everything else in this world, forever. It's not going to have a, a finish. It will always exist. And, and that's good news for us, having heard last Sunday that the church is for everyone, Jewish people, Gentile, everywhere uh, in between, and anybody under the sun who believes in Jesus as their Savior. If, if the church is for everyone, then forever is for everyone who belongs to the church as well. And of course, we're not speaking in, in terms of church as a, a building made up of sticks and stones, but of, of flesh and bone, of, of body and soul, bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus, who says that we are his now, we are his church, and we'll be with him forever, because church is forever. Now, before we go any further, I, I want to stop there, because I would imagine there are a few people that are, are feeling as if that's not really all that exciting a prospect, to think of church being forever. And if that doesn't have you uh, doing cartwheels internally or jumping for joy at the prospect or the thought of of church forever, maybe you're wondering, well, maybe am I I really a Christian? Am I, I really valuing who Jesus is and what he's done for me if it doesn't excite me that church is forever? Well, it depends on what you think of when you think of the word Church. And there's perhaps two areas where we can misconstrue that idea of what church is. And, and, and in a sense, I wouldn't blame or fault anybody for not being excited about church being forever if this is the idea that you have in mind, particularly the, the physical uh, building and the organization itself here on earth. We have to acknowledge that uh, in, by no fault of their own, there are many people who have had a negative, a bad experience with church in the past. And I, I suppose part of that's because we have such a high expectation of what church is as we, we look to maybe join or as we look to, to kind of seek out a, a church. We have high expectations and we should. We would expect there to be to be good folks in a church, right? But, but then maybe you've been one who's been burned or hurt by the church in the past. And as you've looked around or even maybe been a part of it, you realize that, that the church is made up of, of sinners and so there's dirty looks, there's judgment, there's gossip, there's unkind words, uh, there's all kinds of things that you'd expect to find out in the world but maybe not in the church and yet there they are in the church and if that's your idea of what church is then I don't blame you for not getting excited about church being forever. Or maybe you have the idea of when you think of church, we talked a little bit about this last week, that church is just what happens on Sunday morning, worship. And, and in that regard, to think of church lasting forever, uh, maybe you cringe, maybe you think, boy, it, it's, you mean heaven is like sitting in, in an eternal, permanent uh, worship service that, that we're going to be worshiping forever? We've even described it that way sometimes. Somebody has asked, well, how was church today? Oh, it went on forever. Not here, of course, I'm sure. Uh, but you've had that experience where you've been in church and, and maybe the music uh, sounded or felt like a funeral dirge and, and the sermon, the preaching was aimless and never-ending and it went on and on and on. And, and so it felt like the service was going on forever. And if that's the idea of you have of, of church being forever, then again, I, I don't blame you for... For maybe not getting too excited about that concept. But, but today, I want us to shift the way that we think about that phrase, church being forever. And realize that we're not talking about, again, a building or, or imperfect people, but we're talking about those who have been made holy and righteous by the blood of Jesus. And, and here's the key I want us to focus on, being in the presence of the one who established his church Forever. Being in the presence of Jesus. Stop and and think about that individual. Maybe there's two or three, maybe a handful of people that you could just spend uh, days and days and days with. In fact, no matter what amount of time you get to spend with that individual, it's never enough. Maybe it's a few hours uh, over coffee or a meal. Maybe it's a weekend. Maybe it's a weekend. And inevitably, there's those people or that individual that it feels like you always could have spent more time. You're captivated by them. They, they, they energize you. They excite you. Just being in their presence, you, you can't get enough and you never want it to end. Now apply that to, to our Savior Jesus and realize that when he promises us that, that his church is forever, that means that, that we'll be with him forever. There's not going to be a looking at my watch and, and realizing I have to go or the weekend's over and I have to get back to work, but we are going to be in the presence of Jesus forever. And Paul helps us appreciate why that's such a marvelous thing in in the verses from Romans that we heard earlier. The verses from Romans that describe and characterize Jesus as this individual who far surpasses anybody else that we could ever meet or be in in their presence. And, And this is the one that wants us to be with him forever. And so we hear these words as Paul just kind of oozes into this doxology, this word of praise, and we marvel at who Jesus is and we stand in awe of how amazing he is. And that's whose presence we're going to be in for forever. The one that Paul describes this way, in verse 33, the first part of it, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Just that aspect, the depth of his riches, wisdom, and knowledge, a knowledge that surpasses Ken Jennings, crowned the the greatest of all time on Jeopardy, a, a guy that just seems to know everything. Wisdom that surpasses Solomon because, of course, the Lord himself gave Solomon that wisdom in the first place. Riches that that surpass anyone because everything that exists is is in God's own private collection. It all belongs to him. That is the individual whose presence we're going to be in forever. And Paul goes on uh, in, in describing him in ways that are just beyond what we could possibly fathom. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? You can't do a Google search and and find out how amazing God is. You'll, you'll never be able to discover it or understand why he operates the way that he does or decides the things that he does on your behalf and my behalf, and why he allows what he does in the world. You're never going to be able to find a a track or footprints that are going to lead you to him in a way that you will clearly be able to say, ah, there he is. Not this side of heaven anyways. And of course, God has never sought out our counsel or our advice in any matter. God doesn't doesn't need a Venmo account to to pay us back for money or, or services or goods rendered. He owes us nothing. He is far and above over all of these things. And yet, he wants to spend forever with us. That absolutely defies our understanding or our logic. There's no reason why a God of this magnitude, a God who is this amazing, who who, who we can't even begin to grasp, that he should want to be with frail and, and feeble us. We who are, are so preoccupied with everything else under the sun that we don't have time for the Son of God himself. We who, who lay claim to the Christian faith but do so little to feed it, to nurture it, to spend time with this Jesus in his word. We who will find all kinds of other things to, to engage in and prioritize in our lives while, while he is taking a back seat or on the back burner, and, and this God still wants to spend time with, with us. Who so often leave him last in our lives? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Now, if there was something good or virtuous in us, if, if we could turn the tables and say, well, I have these redeeming qualities, God, that should, should make you want to spend time. I can understand why you would want to spend forever with me. That would make a little more sense, but there's nothing in us at all. So why should, why should he want to spend forever with us? Why should his church last forever and be in his presence? It defies any understanding, but it is true. And it is only because he chooses to love us. It is only because he desires and craves that intimacy with us, that he wants to be with us forever. And and should you doubt that, should you question it, realize that Jesus still to this day carries around with him all of the proof of his dedication, uh, of his diehard love for you and me. We need only to look at, at his, his hands, his feet, his side, and we see the scars, the reminders that, that, that take us back to recall the price that he paid to make us his, the sacrifice that he made to pay for our sins so that through his perfect life, his righteous obedience, and his innocent blood shed for us, that payment to spend forever with him has been rendered. It's been paid in full, and it's been accepted by, by our Father. It doesn't make any sense, and and yet as we, we try to wrap our, our brains, our minds, our hearts around the depth of this kind of love, truly we can agree with with Paul, when he says, for, for, for from him, in verse 36, And through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. From him. We wouldn't exist had God not brought us into existence. Nothing, nothing in this world that we enjoy would even be here. Nothing would function day in and day out if not through him. You don't stop and think about your heart beating or, or taking in air. Those things naturally happen because God allows them to happen. We have our existence through him. And then Paul even says, and for him or to him are all things. We exist for him. You will find meaning and purpose in this life and you will crave and long for forever when we realize that our purpose is so intimately tied up in Jesus and who he is. When, when we realize that he is our purpose then forever looks a whole lot more pleasant, doesn't it? And in fact, then we start to, to raise the question to wonder when we realize how good and how gracious this Jesus is to us, we wonder if forever is even going to be long enough. And so when we consider that mind-boggling concept of being in the presence of Jesus, not in a, a worldly church that lets us down, that hurts us, that fails us, not in a a long, lengthy worship service, but, but in the presence of Jesus, saints who have been made holy by his blood, we long for forever, don't we? And so we can appreciate the wonder that a little girl had as she was walking with her, her church, with, her, with her father rather on the way to church on a Christmas Eve. And it was a dark night. It was a clear night. And she looked up and she marveled at how crystal clear and how beautiful the stars were. And her dad could see the wheels turning in her little mind. And she expressed to him, Daddy, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is this beautiful, How wonderful must it be on the right side of heaven. How true her words are. For us to be able to grasp just a a little taste, a a little bit of an understanding of of who God is, of who our Savior Jesus is this side of heaven, and to see glimpses of that glory in and through his church when we celebrate uh, blessings like like two baptisms that we had last Sunday and, and the Lord's Supper and all of the gifts that that God gives to his church through Christ Jesus, we get just a glimpse of that wonder. We say, if if it's this good, if it's that good, this side of heaven, how wonderful must it be on the other side when he brings us home to be with him forever. May God grant it to you and me through his grace given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen.